is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. On today's episode of the Fantasy Football Today podcast, we are putting... A yeah, probably early second round pick under the microscope, and I'm a little afraid to draft them. Find out why. We're also going to talk about the Titans' backfield, as we have a report about that. Marcel Darius facing a suspension, and much more. Hello, Dave Richard. Hello, Heath Cummings. How you guys doing? What is up? Woo! Yeah, I'm pumped. Guy at the other end of the Skype call. You know what I'm pumped for? America. Yes. Danny Cannell, also. Great American. Danny Cannell coming on the show. He was an all-American. What? Perfect. There you go. He's, it's a little conflicted for me. You know, conflicting feeling for me because he's a former giant, but also a seminal. So that's kind of tough, but you know, we'll treat him well. Hey, uh. You know, you should probably put your personal feelings aside probably. when you have a guest on our podcast okay. and make it about the guest and not about you. <laughs> uh, it's a good advice. Here's more good advice. Start <laughs> your fantasy football league right by booking your draft party at B-Dubs Buffalo Wild Wings. You'll get a free draft kit and enjoy a draft feast of boneless wings, three sides, and three shareables at a special price. Only at Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports, at participating locations while supplies last. He loves Buffalo Wild Wings. I do love Buffalo Wild Wings. Do you remember the correct way to order wings at Buffalo Wild Wings? Dry rub, no sauce or something? It's no sauce. It's the Buffalo Dry Rub. Okay, Buffalo Dry Rub. There you go. I, I had those uh, while I was on vacation in Orlando. Perfect. Perfect. Beautiful. All right, go to go to Buffalo Wild Wings. Get your draft going there. Uh, so here's the stat you should know. With Marcel Darius, the Jaguars acquired him after seven games. With him, running backs averaged 3.5 yards per carry. Without him, they averaged 5.3 yards per carry. We'll get more on that later. Let's start with a Twitter poll because we got Danny Cannell coming on in about 30 minutes. So let's do uh, some Twittering. And here was the question. Of these three wide receivers, who has the most upside? And then, of course, who has the most downside? The three receivers are Robert Woods, Corey Davis, and Kelvin Benjamin. Robert Woods, Corey Davis, Kelvin Benjamin. Let's start with upside, guys. Who has the most upside? If you're asking me, it's Corey Davis. I think he's got the chance to be the bona fide number one receiver in an upstart Tennessee offense. I think he's got the physical tools to do it. It's just a matter of coming through with knowing the game plan, knowing the plays, and uh, being focused when the ball is thrown at him. Things that seem simple, but not every player can connect that way. I think he's got upside of 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns. Damn, that's some big upside. Uh, well, the Twitter folk agreed with you, 70% said Corey Davis. Heath, how about you? Yeah, I think if you're talking upside, I don't rank Corey Davis the highest of these. Um, but I do think if you're just talking absolute upside, if he delivers on all of his potential, I mean, top five pick in last year's draft, and he deserved to be, I'll say Corey Davis. Just stay healthy, please. That makes sense. Robert Woods, maybe maybe could have gotten some votes. He came in second. He had uh 17% of the vote. Kelvin Benjamin, 13%. Robert Woods had quite a stretch. Mid-season. First two weeks wasn't very involved. It wasn't really mid-season. It was weeks three through ten. His next eight games. He had 43 catches, 642 yards, and four touchdowns. That's an 86-catch, nearly 1,300-yard, eight-touchdown pace. That was tremendous. Then he got injured. 
and uh, didn't do much at the end of the regular season, but Woods had 142 yards in the postseason in one game. All right, who has the most downside? Robert Woods, Corey Davis, or Kelvin Benjamin? Another one that wasn't even close. I'm sure the voters chimed in on Kelvin Benjamin. Yeah. Yep. I will disagree. I will too. I think Corey Davis has the most downside. No, I I, I think Robert Woods has the most downside. Ooh, wow. Go on. Well, Brandon Cooks is now in Los Angeles, and the thinking is he'll take on a bigger role in the offense than what Sammy Watkins did. Cooper Cup's going to step up in his second year. And this is a team, I don't know how many games they're going to have where they're throwing 33-plus times. I think that defense that the Rams have built is outstanding. Like, out of this world, great. And I think there's going to be a lot of games where they're going to be up 20-6 to in the fourth quarter, and Jared Goff is only going to throw it on third down. That... I don't necessarily disagree with anything that Dave just said. I just, like, if you just say Corey Davis stays healthy and played like he did last year, he's awful. Even if he scores some touchdowns and has some... some, Yeah. Because he should. He's still awful. He played 11 games last year, and he had an encouraging week one, Corey Davis, and that was basically it until the final game of the season in the postseason when he caught two touchdowns at New England. Uh, first, first week, six catches, 69 yards on 10 targets, but they threw the ball so much in that game. They don't throw the ball that much. They didn't, at least under old management. I don't know what, uh, we're actually gonna talk to Danny Cannell about that, what to expect from the Titans this year, with a new coach, new coordinator. Alright, so you guys disagree. Robert Woods has the most downside for Dave, Corey Davis for Heath, and Calvin Benjamin for 60% of the people who responded on Twitter. And I have no strong opinion, so. Nah, I'll, well, I, can t- I can tell you what I like about Calvin. Okay. I like that he's healthy. I like that he's lost weight. I like that he's on a terrible team that is going to have to throw the ball a lot. Volume. And that's the thing. When he had volume in Carolina, which is, you know, two of his three years in the league where he actually played, he was fine for fantasy. Wasn't a number one receiver, but a number two for sure. Yeah. I think he can, he's got to stay healthy. That's a huge caveat, mm-hmm. but I think he can do that. And, uh, and I think, I think he can get to that 120 target plateau with the Bills. How do you rank those three? I've got Corey Davis at the top. Right. I think he, I, I'm, I'm going to bank on the upside with him. And then I've got, uh, I got Benjamin. I, I got Woods in between him and Benjamin. Davis, Woods, Benjamin. Benjamin, Woods, Davis. Davis, Woods, Benjamin for Dave. Benjamin, Woods, Davis. Really? Okay. All right. That's very good. Good productive segment. So news and notes for you here. So I already mentioned Marcel Darius. It is a big deal, at least based on last year. Uh, they were so much better. They were terrible against the run before Darius came and really good against the run uh, with Darius when you just look at what running backs did. So the first four games would be the Giants, Patriots, Titans, and Jets. We can worry about that when we get closer to the season, but it, it would be a big deal. Uh, we'll monitor the Marcel Darius situation. Meanwhile, uh, there is a report out of the Buffalo News that Chris Ivory would be first in line if McCoy is out. We talked about that on our Tuesday show. Not much interest from Dave and Heath. Uh, if, if Chris Ivory is the guy, when would you draft him? So we're saying in a world where we know that LaShawn McCoy is not playing football this year. Sure. Um, I think you'd have to take him in Isaiah Crowell range. 
So in a non-PPR league, you're looking maybe around round eight or nine, and a PPR around ten or eleven. Okay. I don't think I don't think Keith could have said it any better than that. Yeah, it was great. That was actually that was bravo. Oh, we need the sound bite. Oh, you don't have the sound bite that, ready? That wasn't queued That's up. Okay. I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm it's sorry. Okay. All right, we'll we'll do it again later. And uh, TitansOnline.com. So this is going to be a real big backfield to watch. TitansOnline.com's Jim Wyatt. He writes that. The plan is for Derrick Henry to be the lead back, and how many carries he gets could depend on just how well he does in that role. So, react. That's exactly what we expected, right? I would expect at least that, if not him still being given a a decent workload, even if he's not amazing, if he's just okay. Because I don't think Deion Lewis... I don't think he, I, I know we saw him as the main back for the Patriots, but I, I said it earlier this week and I'll say it again. Being the main back for the Patriots is a lot different than being the main back for the Titans. Yeah, the jerseys are completely different. Well, and the quarterbacks are different. The yeah. schemes are different, no, different. The way defenses play you is different. The one thing that's more in his favor, I would admit this, is the offensive line. Patriots had a good offensive line last year, didn't they? I think Tennessee's got a good offensive line. And certainly, if you're comparing them this year, I'll take Tennessee's yeah. offensive line over the Patriots now, knowing that there's going to be, I think, at least one rookie starting, potentially two. Well, yeah. All right, so uh, that is uh, that is a controversial one. What to do with Derrick Henry? Some people love him. Some people think Deion Lewis is going to be the guy. In fact, Roto World was like, Deion Lewis is going three rounds later. That means he's a better value pick. I'm just not sure I agree with that. If Okay, if you're saying that you can get Derrick Henry in the fourth or Deion Lewis in the seventh, I do think I'd prefer Deion Lewis. I don't, like, I expect, there's no question, as long as they both stay healthy, Derrick Henry gets more carries. Derrick Henry scores more touchdowns. But I do think Deion Lewis is going to get the lion's share of the work in the passing game and still gets probably close to eight, maybe eight to ten carries a game. And I expect he'll be very good in that role. All right. So let's put a first-round pick under the microscope, and that would be A.J. Green. But first, another note about Buffalo Wild Wings. Buffalo Wild Wings understands that being a fantasy football league manager is a tough job, so it's important to get a good first impression, and that all starts with the draft. And if you want your league to love you, book your draft party at B-Dubs. You're going to get a free draft kit and enjoy a special draft feast of boneless wings, three sides, and three shareables. That's a ton of stuff for a special price to feed your league. Come in and get to drafting up some league manager love at Buffalo Wild Wings, Wings, Beer, Sports, at participating locations while supplies last. I'm a little nervous about A.J. Green, guys. Are you? No, I've drafted him in a majority of the drafts I've been in this year. I'm not going to take him in the first round, but... When it's early second round and I'm targeting a receiver, maybe I took a running back first. Hell yeah, give me AJ Green. Right. We should probably rename the segment today. I'll rename it. Let's put a second round pick under the microscope. So I don't know what it is that makes me nervous about him. Except he hasn't had a huge year since 2013. So it's four years in a row of top, uh, I think the highest he's finished is eighth. No, fifth. He finished fifth one year. Are uh, you no, sure he, he that didn't the, finish fifth. He was on pace to finish fifth. You were unhappy with the almost 1,300 yards and 10 touchdowns he had in 2015? Uh, he finished as the number eight wide receiver that year. 
So okay. no, I'm well, not that, unhappy that's still with, with a those damn numbers. Damn fine year. It is. It is. And and 2016, he was on pace for 1600 yards almost. Yeah, no, he he was. I have a feeling he wouldn't have gotten there because he's never done that before. But he was on pace for that. He was having a great year. But he would have been the number five wide receiver that year. I don't think he has number one upside. That's one thing. And I think other guys drafted around him do. Yeah, I think the biggest question as far as nervous about AG Green is do you, are you, do you think he's an injury risk? And I don't think he's had enough injuries to where I would say that because his 16 game pace over the last four years since 2013, 86 catches for 1,274 yards and eight touchdowns. It's pretty good. That's ra- I, that is so round two though. Like that's not even fine. Worthy but that's what we're talking about. I, that's, yeah, that's, I, that's, I that's one two turn. Like as as a wise man once said, if you're drafting at the end of the first round, it doesn't really matter who you take with your first round pick and who you take with your second round pick. I think he's. It it doesn't really matter, but it does matter if you take AJ Green or Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen. You know, I don't think he has the upside of those guys. I don't think he has the upside of Mike Evans. Oh, he's been far more consistent than Evans. Oh, he has less downside than Evans for sure. And I do think he has more upside than Evans with what we saw from Tampa Bay last year and the way that they distributed targets. Mike Mike Evans' upside was really dependent, kind of like A.J. Green, you might say. He got 178, 164 targets back in 2012, 2013. Right. That's what Evans needed to be that successful. I don't think that's really possible with the weapons they've accumulated. Mm. I'm glad you mentioned the targets because the other thing is like they just the Bengals just don't pass the ball that much. They're usually 25th or so in pass attempts. That's what they've been the last four years, 20th to 26th. Now, he should get you know, a lot of the targets, but that's not a throwing offense. And last year was not, like, let's not ignore the fact that last year was not a very good year for him. 75 catches, 1,100 yards, and 8 touchdowns. It's a good year, but it's not great. And he was the number 10 wide receiver in fantasy in a down year for receivers. And there was a lot at there were there were a lot of problems with Cincinnati last year. The offensive line was terrible. As soon as Tyler Eifert got hurt and there wasn't really a good number two option stepping up for them in the passing game, Green got double teamed out the wazoo. And he had, he had a catch rate of 52.4%. Double teamed right. with your quarterback under pressure. You're not going to have a great year. It's a friggin' miracle he had the year that he had given all the problems that they had in Cincinnati. And he looked like he was having some uh, focus issues in the second half. Well, I, you had the fight with Jalen Ramsey Yeah, for one thing. And, yeah, and things had gone way downhill for them. He was frustrated. He had some terrible games in the second half. I think the offensive line is going to be better. Yep. I think he and Dalton both bounced back this year. Oh, okay, well, that would help. He also had a tough schedule. I mean, he, he did have Jalen Ramsey. He had the Broncos secondary. He had the Vikings. Those are three tough games. He actually did well against the, well, he did, he's caught a touchdown against the Broncos. Four catches, 50 yards, and a touchdown on nine targets. So, uh, not exactly an easy schedule for AJ Green. Yeah, he's got him again this year, week 13. I think the other thing that concerns me is, I understand the optimism for the Bengals getting better, but that team just seems like they're going in the wrong direction. It's amazing that Marvin Lewis is still there. What if they have another bad year? It's it's really not out of the realm of possibility. They, oh, they I don't think finish. they'll be good. Yeah, they, I mean, they could easily be last place in that division. It hasn't stopped A.J. Green from being— No, they've been uh, good. They've been good. Good fantasy receiver despite the Bengals' record. No, they have been a good team in the A.J. Green era, haven't they? Sure. He's going to be in my DFS lineup week one. Who's he playing? At Indy. 
Yeah, that's nice. That that's a bad secondary. All right, so so ADP has him 18th overall, AJ Green, and it looks like he's going behind every tier one wide receiver except Devontae Adams and Mike Evans. So he's I don't ha- think Mike he, Evans is a tier one wide receiver. Uh, it's debatable, sure. He's, he fair enough, but you think Adams is right? Yeah, I would say I would take him ahead of Adams. I would too. But would you take Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones ahead of AJ Green? Yes. I'll take Julio ahead of him. In full point PPR, I'll take Keenan Allen ahead of him. That's it. Michael Thomas? No? No. I'll definitely take Thomas in PPR. I think it's pretty much a toss up in non PPR. Okay. So to sum it up, He's a solid, safe number two wide receiver for you guys. I think that's the perfect way. No, no, no. no he's a no, number no, one. No, no, second round. My oh bad. no, second round. Yeah, right. second round. You know what? It's funny. You said the wrong thing, and yet it 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 hit me <laughs> the same way as you meant it, not as you said. Yeah, yeah. He's a round, a safe round two receiver. And I am probably the highest on AJ Green. I would be okay taking him at the one two turn. Should we do the fantasy profile or the fantasy regulators now? What do you think? I would vote regulators, but I always vote regulators. Regulators! Mount up! We're mounting up. Regulators are back, baby. If you have a league issue you want regulated, send us an email, fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Put fantasy football regulators in the subject line. This is from Brandon in Cleveland. All right, let's regulate. 12-team, half PPR league. Ten geniuses and two idiots. We've been talking uh, about adding an IR spot to our bench. Um, with the new probable and doubtful tags, how do y'all fantasy regulate who goes into the IR spot? Does a player have to be out for a certain number of games before they can go into that spot uh, or just have a certain tag? I think you, you keep it simple, and anybody who's on injured reserve can go into that spot. Remember, injured reserve doesn't mean the same thing it did five years ago. Injured reserve used to mean... Well, when you're on that, you're done for the year. Now it means you can come back later in the year. Who wouldn't have loved to have an IR spot for David Johnson last year just so they could use him for that big return that he had late in the season? Man, he was on fire. <laughs> oh, oh, that's right. He, he didn't even come back. Yeah, this does not work near as well as it does in baseball. But it's really, I think the IR spot as a bench spot should be reserved mostly for dynasty leagues. It does not have a huge use in redraft. If you want to have it, that's fine. But I agree with Dave. They have to be on the IR, and that's just, there's very few players that are going to be fantasy relevant at the end of the year that go on IR. Now what, I will wait, give wait. you what about I will, what about this? Uh, this guy twisted his ankle. He got a high ankle sprain. He's out four to six weeks. Can you put is him he on, on IR? IR? He's not on IR. All right. Tough cookies. Murray. All right, we got to go to our next one. We got to go to our next one. Consider that issue regulated. Next up. We've got Mitchell, says, Dear Russell, Matt, Charlie, and Trevaris. Seahawks? Seahawks yeah, yeah, yeah. Starting a 10-team league this year, we're stuck at the crossroads, though, not sure whether or not to do a keeper or dynasty. We have three co-commissioners, and no one agrees on the same thing. One person wants dynasty. One person wants to keep five. Another wants to keep all starters. What do you think we should do? We all listened to the show and decided we will listen to either Adam or Heath's opinion because we're dedicated fantasy baseball listeners. Therefore, you two are our favorites. How about that? And you that? better not ever catch me 
on the street, Mitchell, because <laughs> you don't want my opinion. I might have to regulate you. Yeah. And I don't know if they really want Adam's opinion because he doesn't play in dynasty leagues. I have one. I have a dynasty league rookie draft next week. Oh, do you? Oh, yeah. Let's see. Let's see if I agree with what Heath says. Okay. Cause maybe somebody else is out there I, with the same problem, but they're interested in what I'm going to try to give a nuanced answer, which isn't typically what we do on regulators, but. I will say Dynasty is the best way to go. I love Dynasty Leagues. I think that is what you should do, assuming you – and you have to ser- like legitimately evaluate your league. This is not necessarily a good thing if you have six guys that are really, really into this and four guys that are in this league because you've been friends and you use this league to stay in touch with your friends. If that's the type of league it is, then I'd probably go to the Keep 5 version because in a full Dynasty format – if it's an unevenly balanced league, it can get really ugly after a couple of years. Okay. Dave, do you agree with that? Nope. Oh, I can't play the Heath is on then. No. Well, you can. I, I could just be right. Like, Middle's going to listen to me anyway. The Heath is on. Now, I, you know, I, I agree. You gotta be, you gotta be all in. You gotta have everybody Let's hear what be Dave all has in. To say. Yeah, what do you have to I, say? I think you take baby steps and you start this year by keeping five players ne- into next year. And then the year after that, if you like how it's going, turn it into a dynasty league. And if not, keep the keepers. I guess I have to break the tie then, right? I well, No, because this dude doesn't care what I have to say. Well, I would go with what Dave says and take baby steps, and it's been regulated. Next up, we've got Adam in Baton Rouge. Okay, so he's got a dynasty league. Everybody's good friends. That's good. After the 2017 season ended, free agents were locked until a date to be determined. This is actually pretty funny, um, which ended up being a couple weeks ago. We were given a one-week waiver period to go in and put fab, fab bids on players. And I put in an $8 bid on Geronimo Allison. It's a deep league. One of my friends put in our group text that he put a $10 bid on a wide receiver, but he didn't specify which one. So I upped my bid on Geronimo Allison to over $10. And it turns out that's who he had the $10 bid on. This led to a heated argument between my friend and I. He says that he told us his bid amount in confidence and said, I'm a jerk, not his words, for changing my bid amount. I say that since he didn't give me the name of the player, what I did was perfectly fine. His counter argument was that since free agency is so bare, what other receiver would it be? Please regulate this for us. It came back up again because he said he almost offered me Chris Ivory for Allison, but he didn't. And after the recent shady news broke, he texted the group and says, "Karma's a b-word. Who's right? Who's wrong?" <laughs> that was so G-rated. Yeah, it was. Uh, Warren G. <laughs> listen, Adam, the only person your friend should be mad at. You're not is talking himself. to me. You're talking about the email or Adam in Baton Rouge. Yes, the only person that he should be mad at is himself for spilling the beans in a group text about how much he bid on a wide receiver. Completely agree. He's a, he's a dope. Completely agree. Like. You shouldn't have said anything, man. What's he supposed to do with that information? What do you mean you told him in confidence? There's no such thing. There's no such thing. This has been regulated. Oh, and you I ever just, heard the song, Adam? I just, of course, yeah, it sounds just like that. Because <laughs> you just, you just murdered it. I regulated it. All right, hey, we got, uh, we got no, a new segment. No. We got a new segment, and then we've got Danny Cannell coming on. It's time for our fantasy profile presented by Buffalo Wild Wings. We are profiling and. Either unknown or underrated fantasy football player who listeners should get to know as they could be the key to winning your draft or season. And we went pretty deep on this one, Dave. We went with uh, David Njoku, Brown's second-year tight end. 
and a potential fantasy superstar that people are going to look for in those late rounds. Uh, I've, I've been banging the drum for drafting two tight ends. I think this should be one of them. Najoku had flashes last year, and I think there's a very good opportunity for him to continue making flashes. Yes, he's going to share the field with Jarvis Landry and Duke Johnson. These are all short-range targets, and maybe Najoku will end up being more of a red zone threat than all-around threat. So he'll be a little more Kyle Rudolph than Rob Gronkowski. But this is a Cleveland team that's going to throw the ball a lot. This is a very athletic guy who's learning the nuances of football still. He was very raw when he played at some school, and he was raw last year when he came into the National Football League. I think he is just covered in warm, gooey upside. <laughs> and when you're and when you're in the late rounds of your draft, you want players like that. So do you believe, Heath, that, that David Njoku could be a superstar this year? I believe he has the talent to be a superstar. I love everything about him that Dave loves about him. Uh, the, my problem and the reason I have him ranked lower than probably most people do, I think around 17th at tight end, is volume concerns. And it's Josh Gordon, it's Jarvis Landry, it's Duke Johnson. You got two other running backs there that are going to touch the football. I just don't know that he can get enough targets that unless he just has a ridiculous, like I'm trying to think, maybe like Hunter Henry's rookie year where he scored, what, eight or nine touchdowns but only had 500 yards receiving, Mm -hmm. that's his path to being a top 10 tight end. I don't see a way that he does it on receptions and yards. Sure, that's going to be a fear. So that's why, yeah, Dave, that's why you're saying make him a second tight end. You don't want to draft David Njoku to be your starter. I mean, you can. He's taking on Pittsburgh in week one. At New Orleans in week two, the Jets at home in week three, and at Oakland in week four. In this day and age, that's not a bad start. I know it's, it sounds like a bad start. You're not going to do it though, are you? You're not going to make him your starter. You might find yourself cornered into him being your starter. I don't know what's going to happen in your drafts. You don't plan on it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, sure. I'm not going into my draft saying, gotta get David Njoku and he's going to be my guy. That is our fantasy profile presented by Buffalo Wild Wings. And that's going to do it for the Heath Cummings portion of this podcast. But good news. Good news, everyone. We're doing another show tomorrow probably on Friday. Probably going to air it either Sunday or Monday. And Heath is planning on being on that. So that should be awesome. Heath, thank you, sir. It was great to be here. The Heath is off. The Heath is off. All right. We're going to get Danny Cannell to join us now on Fantasy Football Today. Here we go. For the first time on the Fantasy Football Today podcast, we've got CBS Sports, I'm told, all-around awesome football guy. And host of the uh, Off the Bench podcast, Danny Cannell, former NFL quarterback. Danny Cannell, what's up, Danny? How you doing? I am fantastic, man. I'm excited to be on. Hopefully this is the first time of many mm-hmm. uh, getting on your guys' show. I love it. And uh, let's do it, man. I'm excited to come on. Danny, how'd you do in your fantasy leagues last year? So I did not play last year. You guys going to be mad at me? Am I allowed to talk about it if I didn't play in leagues? Last- you can talk about it, but that was two- that. Oh, go ahead. The last two years. I haven't played in the league in two years. So I actually, I'm going to join. Maybe you guys will let me in one of yours. Uh, I'm going to join this year. I'm going to start it up again because I do enjoy it. But I, the problem was, and you guys, I'm sure, know this better than anybody. Like the expectations that are on you once you're considered, you guys are much more fantasy experts than I am. But just having played, like I all, like I'll get so much trash talk coming my way if I'm not winning the thing. <laughs> and I'm very fragile, like mentally weak. That's why I didn't last very long in the NFL. 
and that just destroys me. So that's why I'm nervous about joining. <laughs> oh, but now, but now that I can look for you guys for insight, I'm golden. I'm good to go. There's no way that you are mentally weak in the NFL. <laughs> There's no way. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I would. Lo- if you haven't played fantasy football in two years, you could be in all of my leagues, Danny. That <laughs> yeah, sounds like a great Just plan. Just the money, right? Just give me the Venmo, the money, right? Please, everybody, <laughs> listen to the Off the Bench podcast with uh, with Danny and Raja Bell. They cover all sports. It's really awesome. In fact, wh- before we get into, I'll tease it. You s- you think that the Falcons? Uh, we'll have the number one offense of the NFL this year. That's extremely fantasy relevant. We're going to talk about that, but before we get into that, just tell us really quick, uh, real quick, a description, uh, why people should listen to your show. I think what Raja I'd have is pretty unique because a lot of times when you see typical podcasts, typical, you know, um, sports shows, morning shows, whatever you watch on TV, usually you see somebody who is the quote, like broadcaster type paired with a former athlete type. And I think we're the only like podcast slash show that has just two athletes from from two different sports. You might have some football guys that do it together or some NBA guys do it together, but we've got both sports covered. And I think we give a pretty unique perspective of what it was like to be in those locker rooms. We can relate to a lot of situations that are going on, like when guys, you know, NBA free agency is going on. Nobody's better to talk about it than Raja, who's been through that process. You know, I've been cut a bunch, so I can relate to that one. Uh, you know, playoff games where we just finished up in the playoffs. Raja played in NBA Finals games. I did get a start in the playoffs. So just a unique perspective on stuff. And I think we have a ton of fun, too. Like, I think it's pretty laid back, just two dudes talking about sports and all the stuff that's going on. So hopefully people check it out and they enjoy it. And you got some baseball insight, too. If you yeah, were, yeah, that's I forgot to mention that. Yeah, right. so I, I did play uh, minor league baseball. Uh, for about a season with the Newark Bears, and I played my first two years at Florida State. And I'll let you guys in on a little secret. Baseball was my true love. Like, that really? was my passion. Like, baseball was my favorite sport. It still is. Um, and football just kind of kept presenting opportunities. That's kind of why I just kept going along with the flow, wow. going with the flow playing football. I, I'm sorry. I, I have to ask this. I've always wanted to ask someone. Was playing minor league baseball, what was it like? Because, I mean – the money's so bad and the conditions don't seem great and you're on buses and stuff. Like, What was minor league baseball like? Well, if you don't have any money, it would be brutal. But I actually had the advantage. I played five years in the NFL uh. and then went and played my – so I had – I had made some decent money. But, I mean, I made 1200 bucks a month playing minor league baseball. But I did see guys that I played with that were trying to make a living off that. And they actually slept in the clubhouse at night. I mean, it was nuts. Like you see stories of guys just trying to chase their dream down. Uh, But it also was like the most fun I ever had because if you're doing it for that, like to make, like to chase your dreams and you're doing it for 1200 bucks a month, you love what you're doing and you're chasing a passion. And that's, I love being surrounded by that because when you get to the NFL, it is very much a business. Guys are worried about the paycheck. They're worried about the money. A lot of them are playing just for the money. So it's, uh, you know, you take some of that passion away from it, uh, when that's the case. That's cool. And honestly, this is why you got, you have a great podcast. You have some really cool insights. Uh, all right. Let's, let's get into fantasy football here. The Atlanta Falcons will have the number yeah. one offense in football. Yeah. Are you, are you, are you going to, you're going Steelers? I'm assuming is probably the other option you're looking at. I will say. I, and I think the direct quote I made, whether it was on Off the Bench with Raja or if it was on CBS Sports HQ, was Matt Ryan will win the MVP again. And I think with the way you look at it, 
is a couple of things. One, and this is obviously making the assumption that Julio Jones gets worked out. And I think it will. I think it'll be contentious, but ultimately I think, you know, he's playing for the Falcons on week one. So I'm making that assumption. But they drafted Calvin Ridley. They have an unbelievable, you know, depth at the running back position with Freeman and Coleman. Uh, they've got Mohamed Sanu as well. But most importantly, this is year two of Matt Ryan with Steve Sarkeesian, the offensive coordinator. And if you go back and look at the numbers with Matt Ryan and Kyle Shanahan, they didn't exactly, they didn't get off to a high flying start. Like they, they had their, you know, learning curve where they got better. And then once Kyle Shanahan got comfortable with Matt Ryan, what he likes, then you saw that offense explode. And I think you'll see a similar type of jump in year two with Steve Sarkeesian and Matt Ryan. You can certainly make the case for a lot of teams. I think this is what makes the NFL really interesting in 2018 is uh, we could probably rattle off 12 teams that could have the number one offense. Yep. Pit, you mentioned Pittsburgh. I, I think they're definitely in the conversation. The Patriots are always in the conversation. The Saints are always in the conversation. Um, but there, there, there's teams all over the place. The Packers yep. have to put in there. I think the Texans could potentially be one of those teams. If Andrew Luck is healthy, Indianapolis could be. One of the top offenses in the league. There's even a bunch that we're not even like bringing up at this point. Right, right. I think it's so. Are you in on the Texans with Deshaun Watson coming off an ACL? Because as think long as a, he's as long as he's ready to go and participating in training camp, the answer is yes. Right. So you're you're project you're assuming that the projection stays on track from what we saw uh, in his rookie season. And I would make that safe. I think that's a safe assumption too to make. Uh, I, I love what I saw of him coming out of college. I love what he did in his, you know, limited, uh, window that we saw this past season, but there always is kind of that looming RG3 shadow. I think that is over him that, you know, RG3 was spectacular. His rookie year teams adjusted. He what didn't have the same mobility, had to deal with injuries and all of a sudden he's out of the league and now he's back in, but he was out last year. So I think there's always that. You've got to prove it to me over time that you can consistent, consistently perform, but you can also consistently stay healthy. That would be my only concern with Deshaun Watson. But I, like, I, I don't think you'll see a repeat of RG3 with Deshaun Watson. Uh, but I think that risk is always there. No, I, I agree. I don't think he, he's like RG3. The thing with RG3 was I felt like he couldn't adapt once defenses had a year of his film. Right. And he was kind of a one-trick pony. I think Deshaun Watson can run pretty much any type of offense. But the thing that just gets me is that he can devastate your defense with the long ball when things just don't go according to plan. When it's, right. You know, the, the, the first read isn't there and maybe he's pressured and he's got to move. Well, I mean, he can just flick of the wrist and it's 50 yards downfield and Wolf Fuller's there for a touchdown or DeAndre Hopkins is there for a touchdown. And right. I think this is a Houston team that's going to have a hard time running the football. I, th- I think Deshaun Watson is in perfect position to keep the numbers coming and to keep that Texans offense rocking. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you have to have the same type of con- conversation with Carson Wentz and the Eagles, him coming off, you know, another spectacular year, MVP type season, uh, when he goes down with his ACL. But I think it, it's only fair that if I'm concerned about Deshaun Watson backing it up, saying, all right, you got to put a stamp, do it again, that you have to have the same consideration for Carson Wentz again I feel like both of them I feel comfortable saying that they're going to be fine but you just never know uh we've because we've seen and it's not only RG3 like we've seen one hit wonders before in this league they're all over the place and it's a lot of expectations it's a lot of staying healthy and I think that would be my only concern for those two guys 
is are they able to get back to the elite level of playing that we saw uh, last season? And I think you will, but I'd be, I'm still, there's a little bit of me where I'm a touch nervous for both of them. Danny, can you think of an example from your playing days of, of a prominent player who suffered a major injury, came back the following year and just wasn't the same? Uh, I have a guy who was my roommate on the New York Giants and it was Jason Seahorn. I don't know if you guys remember, he was Adam will remember. Yeah. He was an elite, <laughs> Adam, Adam will remember that. He was an elite level defensive back. Yeah. And he was my, he was my best friend on the team. Like we were roommates. He, and then I, I'm sure Adam remembers this. He, and I wanted him to play receiver. The punt, he was that the punt return, man. Why was he returning yeah. the punt? <laughs> yeah. So, so that was the thing. So we, we were always harping on like, Hey, find ways to get this guy to football. Like he's an incredible athlete. Let's utilize him. Let's, you know, have him do more than just defense. And it was the preseason, and I believe it was the Jets because it was on like prime time. It was or maybe it was just on the New York market. But he returned a kick. It was actually a kick. Comes back, comes out with the ACL, and I don't think he ever. And I think he would admit this too. He was never the same as he was after that. And at that position, you've got to have the explosive firepower, you know, with the quickness, the ability to chase down guys. And he was still very good. But he was on target, like to be this, you know, sensational perennial Pro Bowl type player, and I just don't think you saw that out of him. You know what you could have had uh, pre ACL. Okay, so my follow up to that question is: Was it a mental issue with him, or was it just his? He just his hamstrings, his legs just didn't fire. Like I think for him, before? I think for him it was probably both. I would say it was a little bit of both because I mean, there's always that. Once you lose something that you could just rely on, you take it for granted. Like, hey, I can close on this guy. If I get beat just a little bit, I can close on him. And if you lose that just a tenth or two tenths of a second on a, you know, 40 yard dash or whatever it is, then all of a sudden it does mess with your mental psyche because then you're thinking, uh oh, maybe I have to play off a little bit more. Maybe I have to give him a little bit more room on this jam. Um, and I think that's just human nature. Like, I think it's very, you know, for somebody to be able to come back and return to form in a position like that, I think is very unique. Like, that's why when we're talking about Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz, there's not as much of a concern because they don't rely on their top tier speed as much. Now, both of them are mobile quarterbacks, but they're not guys that are running away from defenses. They're guys that can make plays. And I don't think you'll see a major, you know, loss of speed in those guys. So you're talking about two quarterbacks that are pretty interesting to the fantasy community. I mean, you, <laughs> yeah. look, you look at Carson Wentz last year, and Heath and I, he's not on the show anymore. He was, you know, he was 10 minutes ago. But, um, <laughs> you know, Heath doesn't really buy into Wentz being able to do what he did last year. His touchdown rate a little bit too high. Um, I, I see a superstar. I think he's an amazing player. And even if he's not, maybe he's a product of the system. The system's still there, and it worked for Nick Foles. And – no, people don't really talk about Bill O'Brien like he's – he doesn't have the reputation right now that he had, you know, when he first took the job. But he does – I think he does a pretty good job with, with what he's got. So I think you look at both quarterbacks, Wentz and Watson. What do you think about them just being in those systems? Are they in great systems and, and are they the t- – and are they great quarter? You know what I'm trying to say? Like what's the combination yes. of great system and, and their quarterbacking skills? Uh, I think you, what you see happen with Carson Wentz last year is what you have the perfect combination of both. Um, because I really, I, and there's something different about playing for a coach that played the position. And Doug Peterson, you know, never was a tremendous starter, but played in the league for a long time and played around some great quarterbacks. So when you come to the sideline, when you're having those film sessions and you're breaking down film, 
you can say things to that coach that you can't say to a lot of coaches because they haven't been in the pocket. They haven't seen those windows. They don't know what it's like to trust that a receiver is going to be open. And a lot of times there's just, there's, there's not a, you know, it's, it's just a struggle in communication. And I've had that a bunch with different coaches. Um, and I would say that was why I would feel a little bit more comfortable about the, about Philly's offense and Carson Wentz than I do about Bill O'Brien. Now, Bill O'Brien, great quarterback guru is supposedly is what I'll say, <laughs> because when your guy is Tom Brady, like, and that's, that was who he was linked to, then yes, you've got, you, 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 there should be an asterisk with that with Bill O'Brien on his side, right? Mm-hmm. Because Tom Brady's one of the greatest to ever play. Like, how much did he develop him? Yeah, I'm sure it was some of it, but, You've also got one of the greatest ever. I like, do we just forget that Bill O'Brien went with Tom Savage over Sean Watson to start last season? You know, like what was he seeing there in that game? Now you can harp on that. And, you know, we don't know what practice looked like. We don't know what, you know, what went into that decision making process, but is there another quarterback? Like, is it, who are the other quarterbacks Bill O'Brien has developed? Uh, I think it's more like overall, I think he's had some pretty bad teams and he manages to, do well with them. Do, right. Do but weren't those defensive teams? Like if I'm, if I'm, like weren't those defensive teams? Yeah. Well, Osweiler was obviously terrible for them. Yeah. Um, but I feel, I don't know. I feel like he's gotten, like Brian Hoyer. I think yeah. he got the most out of Brian Hoyer. I, yeah. I, it's to be determined for sure. But so you have yeah. more confidence in the Eagles offense. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Dave. I, but I do think when you see Nick Foles come in and you don't see any drop and you see him have an MVP, you know, game against the Patriots, I think that is a huge testament to Doug Peterson in that system and not to take away from Nick Foles because he did have to make those throws, but that should speak volumes about the success of that system and how good it can work and some of the pieces that they have there. Dave, quick fantasy take. Deshaun Watson, looking at MFL 10 over the last month or so, Deshaun Watson is going 74th overall. And Carson Wentz, 95th overall. Should there be that big of a discrepancy? I spent most of the offseason with Wentz ahead of Deshaun Watson in my rankings. And about two weeks ago, I made the switch. Because I think that Watson just has a little more excitement to him, a little more upside. And because of all the quarterbacks that are around this year, it's not that hard to find another capable starter to carry on your bench if you want to, uh, if you go with Deshaun Watson as your main quarterback. The upside is just ridiculous with him. You saw it last year, averaged something like 30 fantasy points per game. It's unheard of. Mm -hmm. That's what you're going for. And I think he's going to end up being the only quarterback that will be worth taking at a fair value. You know what I've been hyping up. And, Danny, I'll tell you this. When you draft a quarterback in fantasy this year, you have to feel like you're stealing him from the rest of your league. Yeah. Like you've got to hope that it's Aaron Rodgers in round four. Because Aaron Rodgers in round two just doesn't sound as good this year. Because right. there are so many other quarterbacks. Deshaun Watson might be the exception to the rule. And it's because of that potential that he has. Is there downside? He got hurt. He tore his ACL last year. Of course there's downside with him. But yep. so did Carson Wentz. And you probably didn't think that Wentz would tear his ACL last year. I, I just think that I, I love them both. I think they're both top five quarterbacks. I think they can finish the season as top five quarterbacks. And I think that they can be outstanding for fantasy owners. Who, uh, who take him? Watson certainly, or Wentz rather, certainly the better value going right. 20 picks later right. than Watson. You know what else Deshaun Watson has going for him is DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller. Like that is a, that is a really strong receiving, you know, pair of tandem to be thrown to as well. Yeah. And I want to, I'm sorry to kind of bounce back and forth, but I wanted to ask you another question about the Falcons because Calvin Ridley doesn't seem to have too much love 
in the fantasy community. He's going 146th overall. Um, yeah, I, I think he should. I think he right? should absolutely yeah. because I think just by the nature of who he's playing with, like if you're the guy playing opposite of Julio Jones, you're going to get a lot of man-to-man matchups, and that's what quarterbacks look for. Like when you are when you're Steve Sarkeesian and you're value, like you're up in the booth and you're watching the game unfold, and you're and you're Matt Ryan at the line of scrimmage. You're saying, all right, if those safeties are cheating to help Julio Jones, then you know you've got Calvin Ridley on an island. You're going to try to manipulate motions. You're going to try to manipulate the play calling so that you take advantage of those. And I do feel like he's a player who suffered in college because he didn't have great quarterback play. And I think once he gets into a system where he's got a quarterback of Matt Ryan's caliber and he's going to get man-to-man matchups, I think he could have a huge year. And it's a lot of it's by just by nature of the, the matchups he's going to draw playing on the opposite side of uh, Julio Jones. So but who, that does play into why Matt Ryan is a appealing fantasy quarterback yeah, again. Totally right because they're adding they're adding Ridley to this offense without taking anything away. Mm-hmm. So and you're getting the second year of of Sark with him. So yeah, there's a lot of reasons why the Falcons are appealing and Matt Ryan too. So let's stick with rookies here because there is not one but two rookies. On the New England Patriots that Danny yeah. Cannell likes this year, who do you like on the Pats? So I've been a big fan of Sony Michelle in that pick. When they took him, I was like, uh-oh. Like, this yes. is going to be something that um, Josh McDaniels and Tom Brady are going to find a way to get him the football. And I know the running backfield, the backfield is crowded. I know you're like people are like, well, where, how many touches he's going to get? Trust me. When you have basically lightning in a bottle like you have with Sony Michelle, they will find ways to get the football in his hand. So I, I think that's just a given. Like I think, and you'll see creative ways. I think you might even see him motion out from the backfield, put him, you know, motion out to the slot, have him learn some routes. And that is one thing where Tom Brady is exceptional. That's one of me, obviously, you know, it's kind of a no brainer statement, but the pinpoint accuracy that he throws either backs coming out of the backfield or the slot receivers to keep them running like the yards after the catch. Yeah. And it's, it's such a thing that's taken for granted. Like, all, you know, a lot of times all we look at is completion percentage, you know, touchdown interception ratio, giving guys catchable balls that they can continue running at the speed, which what they caught it at, like is a very underrated, you know, stat that you could find. And Brady does it better than anybody. So I think he's going to excel there. And then if you look a little bit deeper in the draft, you dig, you mine for some gold, Braxton Berrios from the University of Miami, the U. I have to give him some love. <laughs> I think he is going to be right in the line of all the Patriots receivers that we've seen. And yes, you can say they're all white and they look the same, you know, but they, he is going to do that. Trust me, as somebody saw him as he torched Florida State. Yeah. Uh, you know, and he was such a go-to guy for that, uh, hurricane team. I think he's got the work ethic. I think he's got the attitude to fit right in the Patriot way. And I think Brady's going to, and especially with Edelman being out, like he's got an amazing opportunity those first four games to really make some inroads. That's funny because that was the game, the Seminoles game, people started paying attention to to Berrios more. And everybody kept saying, oh, the Patriots are going to draft him. And then they drafted him. We're like, we knew it. We knew it. Right. Yep. (laughs) Absolutely. So I think he's going to have a monster year. Yeah. And I'm with you all the way on Sony Michelle. Uh, There's a thing you don't get fantasy points for, and that's pass protection. Mm, And he can do that. Yeah. There aren't many rookies who can, and I, I feel like New England for years has tried to, um, not necessarily decode, but make it so that defenses can't decode what they're doing based on who's in their backfield. 
Right. Because it used to be that they would always rely on a certain back when they were going to pass it. And sometimes they'd run it with that guy. Mm-hmm. But when they had, you know, these, uh, you know, when they had LeGarrette Blunt, you kind of knew that they weren't going to throw very often because Blunt was back there. There was yep. a decent probability that they would run the football. Not that they stopped LeGarrette Blunt. There were some amazing years that Blunt had with the Patriots. But I, I think they learned with Deion Lewis last year that if they can find a running back who can do it all, they can keep defenses uneven a little bit more. And I yep. think Sony is that guy. Yep. I think fantasy owners are going to need to be patient with him though, Danny. I agree that in time he's going to be the man for them, but I think it's, it's, I don't think it's going to happen right away. I think it's going to take maybe four or five weeks until that happens. I would, I would tend to agree because one of the things that's tougher for young running backs coming out of college is the pass protection schemes. And you are not going to risk Tom Brady's health <laughs> to, on a young rookie running back unless he is completely 100% dialed in on who he's got. And it's not so much of, you know, the, the physical capability to be able to do it. It's all the mental aspect of being able to recognize defensive fronts. Who do I have? Who do I have to pick up? Because that is, I've always believed like the biggest jump is not the physical jump for guys coming from the college game to the NFL. It's the mental leap that you have to make in the, the day in, day out study, not only of your own offense, but of the defenses that you're face. And that will be, there will be a learning curve there for Sony Michelle to really like have an expertise. But the one thing he's got going for him, he's got Tom Brady next to him in the backfield in the shotgun where Brady can kind of help him out in that area. But yeah, I agree with you. I think it'll, I think it'll take a little bit of time. So you got to be patient when you draft Sony Michelle and it's never a bad idea to have a Patriots running back because defenses play Patriots running backs a lot differently than they would the Jets running back, the Bills running back, any running back pretty much on, on any team. Okay. Uh, when you were in Denver, you played for Mike Shanahan, you worked in the West Coast offense. That's part of the new offense that's coming to Chicago with Matt Nagy, uh, as a first year play caller for the Bears, not a second year guy like Sarkeesian in Atlanta. Yep. Can, can Nagy have a similar effect on this rebuilt Bears offense like Sean McVay had on the Rams last year? I don't think so, but it's not because of Matt Nagy or his capabilities or his abilities to relate to Mitch Trubisky. But the last time I checked, is Todd Gurley on that roster? <laughs> you know, like I think I think and, and, and McVeigh was outstanding with Jared Goff. Like the, the play calling he dialed up to, to, to protect him a little bit better. But man, does it help when you have a back like Todd Gurley coming out there to take some of that pressure off when you can get better. Um, you know, uh, situations on second down and six as opposed to second down and 12 because you had to suffer a loss on that first down. Side note, Matt Nagy was my teammate on the New York football dragons in the arena football league. I don't know if you guys <laughs> knew that or not. Oh, I, I knew, he, I knew Nagy played arena ball. Yeah. He's got a great story. And I actually talked to yep. him about a month ago and I was, I was giving him a hard time because Mike Furry was a guy who played for the Detroit Lions. Yep. He was our wide receiver on the New York Dragons and he's now the wide receiver coach for the Bears. And I was giving him a hard time. Like, Hey, you signed Furry. Like, why can I get a spot? You know, <laughs> coaching the quarterbacks or something. Uh, so he's a great dude, but I, I don't think their roster is as close, uh, as what you had with the, uh, with McVay and golf we're dealing with. I mean, they still have some issues at wide receiver. Like is Kevin White finally going to, you know, stay healthy? Is Allen Robinson going to be back to top tier form coming off an ACL, you know, coming th- from Jacksonville? 
Um, you know, is the offensive line going to be able to protect? Like they have, I think they have more significant issues to iron out, but I really do think, and Nag is a guy who's going to, you know, haven't been with Andy Reid, haven't been with great quarterbacks like Alex Smith. I think he will relate really well to Mitch Trubisky, but I think it's, I think again, like kind of like Sony Michelle, I think Bears fans are going to have to be patient and I don't, and I, as I don't like saying it, but I just don't see the turnaround like you saw with McVay and golf and the success they had their year. But I would say in year two, you know, they get some more help. They get a little more comfort, uh, comfort level. I think you'd see it then. Dave, I'm going to ask you to rank three quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. All right. Mitch Trubisky, Matt Ryan, Eli Manning. Oh, that's easy. Oh, yeah, that's simple, right? It's right. Matt Ryan, Eli, and then Mitch, right? Yeah. Uh, it's Danny not that easy. I bet you. Oh, I, I bet don't know. You, I think that's pretty easy. I, bet the I fa- think it's really easy. I the was fantasy, waiting for a trick question. Uh, the fantasy community might – actually, they could be all over the place. Remember, Nick Costos loves Mitch Trubisky. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but if you expect Beckham and Ingram or Beckard, Beckham and Shepard to have good years – and uh and Saquon Barkley to catch 50 balls, that would practically guarantee Eli Manning a top 12 finish based on last year. So I like people think that Ryan's a better quarterback, but they think that Eli, because of the weapons, could have the better fantasy season. Well, I do have them back to back. They're 14th and 15th in my rankings. I I do like Ryan better, but I, I think they're both two guys that you can wait for on draft day. If you just find yourself waiting, waiting, waiting for a quarterback, which again, this is a great year to do it. You can take both of them, play the matchups each yeah. week or just wait for one to be so dominant that you don't even have to think about it when it comes to sending your lineup. But Trubisky is a distant third. Yeah. Oh, it's not even close. He's right. definitely a distant third. And I really, I really feel like it's pretty clear cut. I mean, you got to remember too, Eli's getting up there. Like he's, he's 37 years old and I don't think he's the, the Tom Brady TB12 37. Like I think he's, you know, he's like, he's a good old Southern boy who likes some fried chicken. Yeah. You know, a couple beers after the game, which I have no problem with, but I just, I, and I think he's, you know, and I, I like the fact that they went with Saquon Barkley over a quarterback. Like I think he's got another year or two. Um, but also you've got to consider how's Odell Beckham's health. Like is he, is he going to be fine? Like we think so, but you just don't know that. And, you know, I just think there's, and I, I like Pat Shermer. I think he's going to do some good things with his Giants offense. But I think from a fantasy perspective, I think you take the easy lock as Matt Ryan out of those three. And I don't, I don't think it's close. All right. All right. Yes. Interesting stuff. There are going to be a lot of differing opinions. Like he, I, I talked to Heath about Matt Ryan because he's got him like 20th. Dave's got mm-hmm. him 14th. And he just thinks that the Falcons defense, well, one of the things he thinks is the Falcons defense is going to be really good this year. And, uh, Matt Ryan might not pass the ball that much. It might just be a volume thing. Right, so, which could be true too. Yeah, and he's—I mean—he's not exactly coming off a fantastic year either. No, he's not. A uh, lot right. to consider there with Matt Ryan and Danny. Thank you for taking up so much time uh, to hang out with us and talk football with us. This was great. We really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun, man. Hopefully, we get to do it again soon. Please, that'd please. be awesome. Yeah, look forward to talking with you. And if you want more from Danny Cannell and Raja Bell, please listen to the Off the Bench podcast. That's gonna do it. For Fantasy Football Today, we're recording an episode on Friday. Going to air it on probably Sunday or Monday. So have a great weekend, everybody. Dave, we are out of here. Na-na-na-na-na-na-na. Yeah. <laughs>